We're beginning a new sermon series today called Resurrection Power, How Jesus' Miracles Renew Us. We'll be reading miracles from the Gospel of Matthew throughout this series, and we're beginning this morning with Matthew chapter 4 from verse 23 to 25. Let's read God's Word. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is God's word for us today. Our first point for this morning is that our world is broken. Our world is broken. Our oldest son, David, who's nine now, recently got a model engine as a gift. It was a plastic engine, um, all the main parts of a real engine, so you could put it together and then you could see the different parts of the engine work. The general idea was you put it together, hook it up to a battery pack, off you go. So David and I sit down to build this thing, and at first it goes well, the different pieces make sense, we have to redo a couple things, but we're going well. And then we come to the timing belt, which is a plastic belt that has to go around several pieces and fit on with just the right amount of tension. And we get it on the first time, and we realize that we forgot one of the loops, so it doesn't work. We get it on the second time, and we realize that we have one of the gears it has to attach to on backwards, so we have to go back about five steps and put it back together again. We get it on another time, and we do a little bit of rotating of pieces to see if it's working, and it falls off. We put it back on again. We repeat this process about eight times. We finally get that good. We get to the point where we want to hook up the engine to the battery to make it work, and the connection that that the uh, company provided doesn't work. It's not the right dimensions. It's close, but we can't make the connection. So we fiddle around with it, we fiddle around with it, and we finally get it to work, and then it runs for about half a second, and then the gearbox that takes the electricity and makes everything run in the engine sees it up. And so instead of everything running, we get this So we take it apart, and we rebuild again and again and again, and it just doesn't work. That's our world. That's our lives. Great concept, lots of cool things, but it just will not come together. We go at it again and again and again, and things go wrong, and we think we have them fixed, and they fall apart again, and and we think we're on to the next step, and then we have to go back because something else is broken, and it just won't work. Our world is broken. We are overwhelmed with sickness and death and trouble. And you know, that's just the way it is so much that we aren't even surprised by it anymore. We just assume that the world is full of trouble. In this text, it's no surprise at all to us that there would be all these people who would have all of these sicknesses. It's no surprise to us that in that time, in Jesus' day, that there were people with various diseases, people suffering severe pain, people who were demon-possessed, people who had seizures, people who were paralyzed. Often when we read the miracle stories in the Bible, it's no no surprise at all to us. It doesn't even raise any kind of concern that, yeah, there would be these people who would be living with these kind of conditions. It's just life. 
Sometimes when we read these stories, it's like there are just these people on stage right who come in quickly to have their problems cured, and then they move on. But let's pause for a moment. These are people living with terrible, life-altering, life-defining health conditions. Life is not right. Life is not how it's supposed to be. And these kinds of things are bad enough in our day, but now imagine living in a world without any of the modern medicine that we have. These are people who are living without any real hope of relief, let alone a cure. And that's the world of the story we read for today. That's the world that Jesus steps into, and in many respects, it's still our world today. We keep trying to make things work, and it keeps not working. But in this text, Jesus comes, and he heals every, did you catch that word? It says that Jesus heals every disease and sickness, and that's our second point for this morning. Jesus heals every disease and sickness. Jesus goes around teaching and proclaiming the kingdom and healing every single disease and sickness. These people with all these issues, they're brought to him and they're healed. So it's completely natural that news about Jesus spreads all over. It makes all the sense in the world that everyone is bringing their sick family and friends to Jesus. Of course large crowds are following him. Of course people from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and across the Jordan, of course everyone is coming to Jesus because he's amazing. He's a miracle worker. And who wouldn't want to be part of that? A number of years ago, Oprah did a segment on her show and she starts by giving away 10 cars to people in the audience. And then as people go, wow, that, that's great. She said, and there's, you know, this life can be amazing. The unexpected can happen anytime, anywhere. And she builds it up and builds it up. And then she says, and I have one more car. 10 people got their cars. I have one more car. And she calls in a bunch of people carrying little boxes and tells everyone, don't open the boxes, don't open the boxes, don't open the boxes. But everyone in the audience gets a box. And then Oprah says, inside one of those boxes is a key. And if you open your box and there's a key inside, you get the 11th car. Now, no one open your boxes. And then she says, everyone open your box. And everyone opens their box. And everyone starts jumping up and down and yelling and crying and weeping and hugging because every box has a key inside. And Oprah starts yelling, everybody gets a car. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. And it goes on and on and on. Everybody gets a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. Now, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus did that for us? The miracle stories in the Bible, the text that we read for today, can be read like Jesus comes and he says, you get a miracle and you get a miracle and you get a miracle, you get a miracle and everybody gets a miracle today. Wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus came here today and did that for us? Wouldn't it be amazing if we all got a miracle today? But here's the thing, we don't all get our miracles. It's our third point for today. We don't all 
get our miracles. Jesus didn't heal everybody even back in his day. He healed all the people who were brought to him in this small area of the world for just a few years. So sure, we see a lot of people get their miracles in the Bible, but most people, even in Jesus' time, didn't. And we don't get our miracles today either, so very often. A couple years ago, we had twins born to our family, and Ezra's doing great. If you see a two-year-old boy chasing bigger kids in the fellowship hall after the service, that's probably Ezra. But Eliza, our other twin, just a few days after she was born, she had some massive health complications. And I'm not going to run you through all of them because it'd take all day, and I'm not sure I could do it. But she had one huge health complication, and we prayed for things to get better. And then she had another, and we prayed for things to get better. And then she had another, and we prayed for things to get better. And then she had another, and we prayed for things to get better. And it got to the point in the hospital we could recognize from 50 feet away when the doctor was walking toward us that something else had gone wrong. And we prayed and we prayed and we begged and we pleaded and a lot of you begged and pleaded with us for a miracle for Eliza. And then the day came when the doctors told us, medically speaking, there was no hope left. We were at the end of the road. And so we started saying goodbye to our infant daughter and we kept praying for a miracle. And we didn't get it. Eliza passed away two years ago on March 6th, early on a Sunday morning. We did not get our miracle. We did not get our miracle story. And we're not alone in that. Over the years, many of us Probably almost all of us have begged and pleaded and hoped and prayed for our miracle. And life still doesn't go right. We can't stop the bad stuff. We can't fix it. It doesn't work. Clearly, our lives show that we don't all get our miracles. So we have, we'll call it three options when we read these texts in the Bible. We can read these stories and we can say, well, that's not true. We can say these miracle stories, they're just made up to comfort people, to make it so it's a little easier to get through the day. But really deep down, we know that miracles don't happen. Really deep down, we know that Jesus couldn't and didn't do that. Deep down, we know that this kind of thing just doesn't happen. And when we take that option, we, we walk away from Jesus because if he's not there, then why should we be here? And then there's another option. We can say, yeah, sure, the miracle stories happened. Sure, I'll trust the Bible. Yeah, I, yeah, sure, it happened. And sure, we read about all these stories on Facebook, and we hear these different stories of people who got their miracle, and all that's great, fine, that's great. But what about me? What about you? What about us? If Jesus performs miracles for other people and he doesn't do it for me, then why should I follow him? If Jesus performs miracles for them and not for us, then Jesus must not care about us, right? And if that's where we land, then we walk away from Jesus. If Jesus is not there or he does not care, 
then what are we doing here? Now, the third option, in some ways it's the hardest option, in some ways it's the easiest, but that option is to keep exercising faith even when it's hard. This third choice pushes us to ask what these miracle stories are about if they aren't about all of us getting our miracle today. What is God trying to show us through these stories? And let me suggest this morning with some fear and trembling, let me suggest two ways that these miracles serve as signs that point us to Jesus and that draw us closer to him. First, Jesus' miracles point us to the coming kingdom of God. These miracles show us that God, Jesus really is the king and that he is able to and that he will deal with everything that is wrong in this world. In verse 23, it doesn't just say that Jesus comes healing diseases and sicknesses. It tells us that he went through Galilee and he went preaching and teaching. And the content of his preaching and teaching was the kingdom of God. Jesus is not just walking around healing people, though he is certainly doing that. Jesus is announcing that God's reign is coming. And through his miracles, he is showing that God's reign is coming. The miracles that we read about in the Gospels are illustrations of Jesus' proclamation. In the Gospels, we see Jesus verbally proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and through his miracles, we see him illustrating the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus' miracles show us that he is taking on our burdens. These miracles show us that Jesus is taking our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all the things that are wrong with us, all our burdens, all our diseases and sicknesses, he is taking them on us, or he is taking them on him. And these miracles that we read about are signs that Jesus will do away with all of our burdens forever. They are not signs that all our endings in this life are happy they are signs that when God's kingdom comes, all will be made well. When Jesus returns again, he will rebuild us. He will make all the pieces fit. He will bring complete physical and spiritual deliverance. When God's kingdom comes, there will be no more pain. No more demon possession, no more seizures, no more paralysis. Jesus will heal it all. We don't all get our miracle stories these days. We don't all get our miracles. But if we believe in Jesus Christ, then the gospel stories are our miracle stories. If we belong to Jesus, then the miracles that he performed and most especially the miracle of the resurrection when he rose again from the dead, then those are our stories. Then those are the miracle stories that we can hold on to when life is dark and life is hard. These stories show us that there is hope in the kingdom even when life seems hopeless right now. If you've suffered or you're suffering today, you may have acquired a cynicism about life. You may have just given up on hope. You may be in a really dark place. Or you may have acquired a sort of false optimism 
You may be just always telling yourself that things will be okay because if things won't be okay, then you can't be okay. Jesus' miracles come to us in our empty cynicism and our empty optimism. These miracles tell us that Jesus really can and really will and really does deal with our troubles. Even if we don't get the answers that we want right now, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we will find the answer to all our suffering. Jesus is there, and he is the Almighty King. And what's more, and this is our last point for today, Jesus, Jesus does care about us. Jesus provides for us in our suffering. In our doubt, our disease, our pain, our sickness, our grief, our worry. In all of these things, Jesus cares for us. And the miracles that we see in the New Testament, they show us that God cares for us. Some of us will experience healing in our lives through regular means like medicine and rest and taking care of ourselves. Some of us, I think, will experience healing in our lives that at least borders on the miraculous, the unexpected things that we could never have predicted, but that work out right. But those times when things go well should not make us pretend that everything will always go well. Some of us will not experience healing and restoration in this life. We will not. I will never see my daughter Eliza again in this life. Many of us here today will suffer with conditions for all of our lives. Some of us will never be whole again, whether that's physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually. Many things will remain broken as long as we are in this world. But we are still not without because Jesus is with us even in our suffering. Jesus cares about those who are ill with various diseases. He cares about those who are suffering severe pain. He cares about those who are struggling with demons or having seizures. He cares about the paralyzed. He cares. He cares about you. He cares about us. Jesus knows our pain and our agony and he walks with us through it. And in fact, when Jesus went to the cross, when he died, he went through a night that was so dark that none of us will ever have an experience anything like that. Jesus carried all our burdens. He took them on himself, and he walks with us. That doesn't mean we always get the outcomes we want. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that there are no costs, no pain, no grief. But it does mean that the Lord Jesus knows what we are going through and that he goes through it with us. These miracle stories invite us into a new reality, a new hope. They refresh us when the way ahead seems dark and hopeless. We don't always get our miracles in this life. But we have a Lord who walks with us through the darkest of nights, and we have a king who will make everything right someday. 
Jim Van Tholen grew up in this church a number of decades ago. Many of you wouldn't know him, but he eventually became a minister. He served a couple churches, and then in his 30s, he was diagnosed with a rare and very, very aggressive form of cancer. And for the next three years or so after his diagnosis, Jim's life was a whirlwind of, of treatments, of surgeries, and of doing as much ministry as he could. And then after about three years or so, Jim passed away. And in his preaching in those final years, as much as he was able, Jim saw what was coming. He knew that this was terminal. From the very beginning, the treatments, you know, they said we could maybe push the end date off a bit, but he knew the end date was coming and that it wasn't going to be real long. And of course, Jim prayed for his miracle and he prayed for healing and, and he grieved and walked through all kinds of things and, and in this life, he never got his miracle. He never did. And he knew that that was what was the most probable outcome. But he held on to the faith. He kept looking to Jesus. So as I wrap up this sermon this morning, I want to read a few sentences from the first sermon Jim preached after his first round of treatment for the cancer. This was the time that he was back in the pulpit, back with his congregation for the first time after being out for several months with various treatments. Hear this as a witness from someone who's gone before, someone who knew what was coming, who didn't get his miracle, and yet who held on to Jesus. This is Jim. We want to worship God in this church, and for our worship to be real, it doesn't have to be fun, and it doesn't have to be guilt-ridden, but it does have to be honest, and it does have to hope in God. We have to be honest about a world of violence and pain, a world that scorns hope, smashes faith, and rebuts love. We have to be honest about the world and honest about the difficulties of faith within it, and then we still have to hope in God. The center of my story, of our story, is that the grace of Jesus Christ the grace of Jesus Christ carries us beyond every cancer, every divorce, every sin, every trouble that comes to us. The Christian story is the gospel of Jesus. I am dying. I know it, and I hate it, and I'm frightened by it. But there is hope, unwavering hope. I hope not in something I've done, some purity I've maintained, or some sermon that I've written, I hope in God, the God who reaches out for an enemy, saves a sinner, dies for the weak. That is the gospel, and I can stake my life on it. I must, and so must you. And that's where Jim's sermon ends. Today, today, stake your life on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the Savior who loves you, the King who will make things right. Stake your life on Jesus Christ. I must, and so must you. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you today with many hard things in our lives. Some of them are public hard things that we've shared with anybody and everybody around us, and some of them are private griefs that we, that we bear by ourselves because we don't think anybody else can handle them. Lord, we thank you that you have met us here today with your word. We thank you that you sent Jesus who came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and, and illustrating the good news and the reality of your power through doing miracles. Father, we thank you for the miracles that you have done for your people. We thank you for the ways that you have worked in our lives. And Father, whether you give each of us our miracle or not, we pray that you do work the miracles of faith and hope and love in us. Help us to hold on to you no matter what the circumstance. Help us to really experience the depth of your love and care for us, even through the hardest parts of our lives. Father, we pray that you renew and you, you refresh us, that you make us the people that you want us to be. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit, and we pray all this in your name. Amen.